sexy, sexy. Sexy, <laughs> How you going, guys? This is the 80s montage. How you doing? I'm Sammy Hardon. And I'm Jay Jovi. I'm in Yarraville tonight. And oh. Sammy is Sammy's out in the southeast. I am, we're, absolutely. We're, we're separated in isolation once again, but we're loving it. And our gets, champagne. Yeah, if it gets too sexy, we might have to strip off. That's right. I've got no pants and I'm ready to lose the rest. So, woohoo! Absolutely. So, tonight we're talking about sexy songs from the 80s. We're going to do the top 10 sexiest songs of the 80s. But How this is awesome. To us, though. They're sexy to us. It's not from oh, a yeah. bloody, you know what I mean? Oh, it's not we from a top fuck. 10 freaking thing on yeah. Google. No, we don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. These so, are what That's we right. Think. So what is a sexy song to you, babe? I'll ask you that first. Oh, I don't know. It's just something that gets my blood pumping, you know. Like it's... Um, Look, a lot of these are songs that I've actually had a really great route to. Really? You know what I mean? Okay. It's sort of the songs that have brought back a really good memory. <laughs> right. Well, um, my songs that I've chosen are more about obsession and and anger. <laughs> so yeah, it, right. it's, it's being angry and not actually getting the, the, it's, it's empowering for the self, not so much as a couple. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Because there, there are sort of a few ways you can take it, isn't there? There's Absolutely. There's sort of like, you know, like fiery kind of angry kind of sexy kind of thing. Absolutely. Like a, like a really empowered kind of Janet Jackson kind of Well, kind that's of right. It, my, mine is the feeling it gives me when I'm walking into a nightclub or you know, if say if a catwalk or whatever, if you were like Zoolander, for instance, and you were doing your own show, you would feel yeah. powerful with these songs. Yeah, um, like, like when necess- you walk in the club. Kind yeah, of like because a lot of my songs, honey, are about breakups, but I think they're fucking sexy. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Right? Because that's yeah. a bit that I'm, and astrologically, for astrologers out there, I have a stellium in Scorpio in the 12th house, and my Jesus. Venus is in Scorpio. So you shouldn't that have stuff. animals in houses. <laughs> they should be let roam free out in the paddock. Well, if someone knows what they're talking about, they'll go, Jesus. Okay, so the Scorpio thing and just feeling. Um, like I'm in control and is is a nice feeling. But none of my songs are really love songs tonight. Okay. Well, mine is sort of uh, if you imagine you had a crush on somebody mm-hmm. and you were to sort of attach a song to that person, right. this, that that will make sense to you. Like, like they're sort of the song that plays when you look across the room and you see that person and they're, they're all sort of distant and mysterious and unattainable and that kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, will, that, <laughs> that right there will explain mine because mine, yeah. kind of mine are kind of not angry whatsoever. Right, mine, okay. Mine are sort of, yeah, mine are quite different. And so. just so the, the people know, we haven't told each other our songs. No, they will be a big surprise. So we might even double up. You know what I mean? Yeah, we could. I've um, got a few spares. I've got a few runners yeah, up up the yeah, sleeve. But, it, just but if you double up like a game, you let me know, oh, I had that as well, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's then, called a threesome when you – That's yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we could look at that because it'll it'll be quite interesting to see how 
interpreting sex through music could be musical and it could yep. be f- through the lyrics as well. Yeah, I get mine through the music. Yeah, yeah, that's right. The, li- just, the lyrics to me are a bonus thing. That's right. I I get I get the sort of sexy element from how the the songs make you feel, you know, rather than yeah, lyrically what they mean by by logic, you know. Yeah. So yeah. we just played the first song which was one of mine. It was Oh, was it really? Yeah. Father Figure, George Michael. Sexy sexy. Released on the 28th of December 1987. Is that right? Yeah. Now, this song for me is sexy as. Do you oh, remember it's beautiful. The, Do you remember the video and I don't remember the video. Can you tell me about it? Okay, so there's a supermodel in it and her real name is Tanya Harcourt Cuss. Uh, who, who cares? Oh, no, she's amazing. She's amazing. <laughs> she's almost um, androgynous. She's quite masculine, which would would have helped George, right? Yeah. Because Georgie obviously wouldn't have gone there. Um, yeah. Hey, he could have. No, he didn't. There were rumours, oh. but they weren't true. He'd just come out of the closet full stream at this single because she actually um, says – Maddie's putting diabolical things up on the screen again. <laughs> we're talking about Maddie, Maddie, Maddie Ray, Ray. Our, our man behind the bar. Yeah. In, there in the control room being a pervert as usual. Yeah. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go for it. So he's putting it, – it's from the album Faith – uh-huh. Um, and it it uh, went top five in Australia, which is gold, 35,000 copies. Um, the model did not know who George Michael was, did not know oh, what he did, um, and then ended up the sex scene. What The, the storyline is he's a taxi driver. Yeah. And she's a supermodel and he <laughs> picks her up from jobs and then he drives her around and he becomes obsessed or he wants to sleep with her, right? <laughs> now, every second shot of this video is of him smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And and then it's that whole borderline scenario with Madonna where she falls sort of a little bit for the photographer. There's a bit of a, uh, a trio thing happening there. The photographer wants to bang her and then there's this obsession thing there. The artist and the muse kind of situation. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So yeah. she made £10,000 for that video. A cool 10000 Yeah. Did she, um, did she get her boobs out in it? A what? Did she get her boobs out in it? No, no, she didn't. She wore a lovely lingerie. She only had suspenders on. It was a time where suspenders and stockings were big. Oh, gotcha. Um, and she was 21. She was 21 in that video. She's gorgeous. I thought she may have also been in a Brian Ferry video, but that okay. was another woman. Right. She now is married – well, she got married to her first husband and had three kids. Yep. Um, and now she's an event promoter, like does weddings and stuff. Okay. So, anyway, amazing song. Musically – we hear the vocal delivery very breathy. Yes. And the lyrics are fantastic. So this is one of those songs where I go, oh, my God, the lyrics are incredible. Um, and it's just very a bit predatorish, you know. That's yeah. all I wanted. You know what I and mean? How, how old was he? How old was George at the time? If she was 21, how old was George? Mm, well, it was after Wham, I reckon 23, 24. 
Oh, yeah, that's 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 definitely doable. Because it was 1987. He may have been older. I'm not sure. Right. I don't know how how old. He I wouldn't have been remember. 30, though. He wouldn't have been above 30. He, well, he might have been. Mm. But he always looked good for his age, George Michael. I was watching a um, I was watching a George Michael clip um while I was researching these actually, mm-hmm. and um just look back at the because I was I was I mean we've only got five each so it is really really difficult to do this kind of thing especially for the eighties because it was um a decade of music that was very focused on sex. It was yeah, um and. <laughs> and <laughs> the um the the clip to I want your sex was incredible like you couldn't even say the word sex in on TV or in a song like forget mm. about it forget about it you know so when George Michael came out with I want your sex um that was very controversial that was really huge it was sort of George when he was trying to put himself out there as like a you know a macho heterosexual male kind of, you know, when he was doing his his solo stuff. Um, well, and it that, is a yeah. very sexy clip. Well, yeah, well, he was, yeah, rumours with that, because I thought of that song as well, I'm, I don't mm. find it as sexy. Yeah. Um, he was actually engaged to that woman in the video. I think oh, the they Asian were going, girl. Yeah, I think they were going to get engaged. They were the rumours we heard as kids. Yeah. Um, and then that fell through, but... Um, I don't mind that, but I just think Father Figure is just so beautiful. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's very sexy. And I think for George to sing about sex, he'd come out of this bubblegum duo and for him to come and, and, and sing about sex at all was quite confronting for all the, the fans, you know. But we yeah. all loved it when he went naughty. Oh, absolutely. It was almost like his Debbie Gibson breakout, you know, or, you know, whenever these little girly things go slutty and start wearing chaps like Christina Aguilera, you know. They fucking yeah, yeah, turn, into, right. turn into dancing fucking hookers after yeah, their third album. It's like she's bopping around with a tutu and an umbrella and then turn around the next <laughs> single. Turn, turn around the next single, she's got the ping pong balls out. And exactly, the, and they all do it. <laughs> they all do it. They're in Thailand. Yeah, that's right. But no, they all yeah. do it. So that was my first one. Um, Fantastic. Good start. Absolutely, and she said that it was a very exhausting video that took three days because she's in it more than George. George is hardly really in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. It was shot in downtown LA, did take three or four days, um, and George wasn't comfortable with the singing, with the the kissing scenes because he actually throws her up against the wall. Yeah, and that's just right. starts making love to her and, and he wasn't comfortable with that at all. And yep. she just said, can you fucking hurry up? The sooner you do it, the sooner we'll get it done. Finger me. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So that was my first one. She um, Apparently George used a, a body double for that as well, for the clip. Um, I think for they the, did, yeah. I think the, they sat the, there um, and watched it. For the arse shots or something. Yep, yep. Yeah. Which is strange because George had a great ass. He's a bit funny about his ass and his left hand and his right hand side sometimes. He, you um, I, I, I get the feeling that he's not entirely comfortable with being seen. 
you know, like being uh, seen in his clips. He wants to kind of, and, and that would come from him being in a boy band mm-hmm. and, it all, and it being all about image to then, you know, you, you get that little bit older, you want the, fo- and especially if you're a serious musician, you want the focus to be on the music, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, totally. And and he was burning his jacket in these days too. So he was right over the whole image thing. Yeah, yeah, you know? that's right. Exactly. That yeah, was what yeah. he did in freedom. But um, all right, what's your next one? Uh, good start. Well, I might sort of uh, I might sort of start off a little mainstream and then and then kind of get a bit uh, get a bit into the deeper cuts after that, if you know what I mean. So you're um, going for the foreplay and then we're going to go to this hardcore sex at the end. That's right, mate. Yeah. That's yep. right. You're going to be exhausted. <laughs> awesome. All right. Let's start it off with, look, what I think is like the sexiest song of the 80s. Yeah. And that is Need You Tonight by NXS. Wow. Oh, That's God awesome. Yeah. So it came out in 1987. It was on the album Kick. Now, this was their, even though they had had previous uh, charting hits in the US, this album really broke them in the US, but not straight away. Not straight away. They um, they presented this entire album to their, their record company in the US and within a couple of hours after listening to it, the record company got back onto Chris Murphy, their manager, and basically said, what the fuck do these guys think they're doing? Yeah. This is ridiculous. This is yeah. ridiculous. They asked they asked Chris um, what they were possibly going to put forward as a single, and Chris suggested that the first single be Need You Tonight, and they said that is probably the worst song on that album. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Well, they had the swing out, remember, before this in America and it went really well, like yeah, original yeah. sin and shit. So it was very different. That's right. That's right. Remember um, remember the record company actually offered uh, Chris Murphy in excess a million dollars to just quickly go back and re-record it. Yeah, like that's to, right. To throw it out altogether and um, quickly just go and re-record it. Um, and they didn't. They they really believed in what they were doing. And um, the way that they got around it was to basically they wanted to prove to the record company because the record company refused to uh, promote it, refused to get behind it. So what NXS did was start playing the college circuit. And this kind of thing wasn't done in those days. This was this was actually. Uh, quite a new thing. It wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like the done thing, which is no. uh, basically after NXS did this. This is what everybody this is what everybody would do to get the sort of youth on side would be to play the the uh, uni campuses throughout um, the USA. Yeah, and uh, NXS went and did it before it was cool. And obviously the music is incredible and the music spoke for itself and everybody got on top of it. Uh, you know, everybody got behind it, uh, all, the, all the young people, all the youth. And Need You Tonight is, you know, clearly a massive hit. Very, very sexy song. Mm. And, and it was um, the, the beginning riff was written by Andrew Farris, who, who wrote a lot of their stuff. Yeah. Um, he... 
the the story goes that he uh, was waiting for it. He came up with it while he was waiting for a taxi. Yeah. And the ta- he heard the taxi beeper torn. He ran downstairs and said, oh, mate, can you just wait? I've forgotten something. Went back up and he actually went back upstairs because he wanted to quickly record the song. He came down an hour later and apparently the taxi driver was going mental. So, you know, that's the that's the kind of press release story. But apparently uh, Need You Tonight is based on Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Right. So you know how, you know how it goes, you know how uh, Another One Bites the Dust goes, dun, 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 yep. Yeah. You yeah, listen you to can Need hear You that, Tonight. Can't you? Yeah, yeah, you listen to Need You Tonight. It's dun, 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 dun. You know, so the ve- it's it's a very similar kind of attack. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. And um he apparently uh presented this riff to Michael, who I think was in Hong Kong at the time. Yeah. And um Michael basically wrote the lyrics within an hour. Yeah, right. It's pretty incredible. It's a, it, I, I just love this song. And I remember so clearly when I heard it for the first time. Yeah. I was in year four in primary school and one of my brothers was home for the holidays and had gone out for the day and I had to go, um, I had to, go to school. And it's like um, my brothers were much older than me and were sort of um, – you know, living independently and, you know, having a great time. And so whenever they would come home to stay, it'd be like, oh, my God, they'd they'd smell different, they'd have different clothes, they'd, you know, have different shoes. And it'd just be incredible because, you know, I grew up on a farm and I knew nothing else. So mm. this, um, my, my brother Wade at the time um, was home and he left all his tapes out. He left all his cassette tapes out and one of them was Kick by NXS. Wow. And um, I hadn't listened to it but I thought, God, this looks cool from the album cover and I took it to school. The teacher was running late and so we were all in the classroom before the teacher got there. I popped it in the stereo and turned it on and turned it up. All the kids turned around like, what the hell is this? And I remember so clearly 1987 in year four dancing around to Need You Tonight for the first time and that was the very first time I heard it. So I had an In Excess track on my list as well. Ah, did you? Yeah. So that's where we're kind of similar. But my song was from The Swing. Right, okay, a little bit earlier. A little bit earlier and it was also produced by Nick Launay and Niall Rogers. So this is where I I loved all the Niall Rogers stuff. Yeah. Um, And Nick Launay, of course, he's amazing. Who I met, that's right, Maddie and I met in LA, Nick Launay, through Attack of the Mannequins. Um, Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I love Johnson's Aeroplane, which Uh was also written by uh, Andrew Farris. Yep. And it's just got these beautiful strings, which you can hear Lorne in it actually when, you, when you're actually thinking about it. Um, yeah. And it's just really dark and I thought it was incredibly sexy. So In Excess is an incredibly sexy sounding band. Yeah, they are, like really sort of really kind of funky. It's when they started bringing the, the funky bass stuff in that it was like, oh, they started getting really sexy. You know, they, they went from being like a punk band to 
um, to bring you a bit more of a funk element into it. Yeah, and I also like to look at you in excess as well. Like, that's sexy as anything. But yeah. I, I think that's um, very early 80s, even late 70s. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. No, 82. Right, baby. 82, yeah. What do you have next? I have. You're going to be surprised about this one. <laughs> Am I? He's incredibly unattractive, this dude. <laughs> but, uh, and this is the only song I like of his. Yeah. But it's that staple revenge, restrained anger track. Yeah. That I love. It's not even a love song. And the, what is it? And the lyrics are, see if you can guess. Well, if you told me you were drowning, I would not lend a hand. I've seen your face before, my friend, but I don't know if you know who I am. Hmm. What would... <laughs> I can't pick it. <laughs> yes, you can. No, it's in the air tonight. Yeah, in the air tonight. Collins. Sexy as. Yeah, absolutely. You know? God, what a, yeah, it is a sexy track. And it's sort of, it's strange how, I mean, he was basically writing about the impending... Divorce between him and his wife, mm. like uh, the the breakup that was about to happen, and isn't it incredible that you can write a song about di- divorce, but it can actually be a sexy song? Absolutely, it's so weird. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it was in D minor, and minor's always a sad key. Major's a happy key. So it yeah, was that's in, right. It was in D minor, and. Um, I've heard a lot of cover bands do this and they don't fucking do it properly. You have to have a real... I think this drum solo for me is something that only Phil Collins could play yeah, because he yeah. wrote it, you know? Yeah. You know when people, um, they write songs and you think, oh, my God, they delivered, they, they sound fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden you think... No one else could sing it like that. Well, I don't think anyone can play that drum solo like Phil. And you have to have the you have to have the keys uh, spot on. The key. Well, that's right. Absolutely. You've got to have the the keys are going to be spot on. Yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, it's that's an awesome song. And you what, were going to tell me um, about the rumor you heard with this song. Oh, because um, that is a, there was that there was that bloody um, urban myth surrounding this song. Yeah. So the urban maybe I'll balls it up, but I don't know. Here, here goes. Apparently, Phil Collins witnessed a murder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in his travels, he, he witnessed a murder. Because <laughs> you know, witnessed a murder. No one like, knows who Madonna. he is. Yeah, no. <laughs> witnessed like a murder. A like he was just going for a walk. You know, just going for a run. And uh, like Madonna in Like a Prayer. Yeah, right. He, uh, he witnessed this murder. <laughs> Except uglier. Yeah, like Madonna, but unfuckable. Yes, that's right. Um, <laughs> and and um, so he was out, sort of going on his on his uh, uh, twilight walk, as he did every day. Yeah. And he he um, he witnessed a murder, and um, he recognised the murderer before they ran off. Um, as someone that used to come to his gigs all the time. Which is so. Who the fuck um, would go to his gigs? Yeah, Not yeah a murderer. exactly, exactly. Must have been a follow ugly. Follow so, ugly. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so apparently, he told the coppers that um, they, the cops, were going to come to um, his gigs for a couple of weeks, and they said, right, when 
you see this guy in the crowd, you choose a particular song and you point him out at this, that particular moment in, in that song. And Phil Collins said, great, I'll do it when I perform in the air tonight. <laughs> and, and yeah, yeah. So, like, you listen to that song and it is kind of... Um, it is kind of spooky and mysterious and stuff, and you can just imagine old bald Phil kind of pointing out this, this guilty guy in the crowd and the and the cops kind of zeroing in to nab him, you know? It's exciting. Sounds like they were trying to bloody murder Phil. Well, they probably were. They probably should You know what I mean? That's like saying <laughs> you've murdered a witness at your next cover band gig, look for the murderer. Poor old Phil. He was he's he's such an English rock star, isn't he? he like is. looks like looks like he he probably should have been an accountant, you know. Look, I watched the video today because it, yep. it it's very Brian Eno meets Peter Gabriel. That's what they were going for. And right. it starts off with his ugly head. It's a it's a it's a, <laughs> a video in the uh, head in the video clip, you know, you know. We're but bloody it, picking on picking on Peggy the other week. But no, 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 Philly, Phil good on you, Philly. <laughs> and um, it starts off with his head, but they cut from the forehead, so he doesn't look like he's bald. So he looks okay. <laughs> right. He looks a bit okay. mysterious. Um, right. And then, it's like if you put a bag on his head. That's right. Bit. It would have probably been more effective. <laughs> but his voice in it is incredible. You can't you, – the delivery of the vocals incredible. I've heard oh, a yeah. lot of people try and sing this and it ain't cutting it. Nah. Same with nah. the drum solo. I, don't, I haven't seen a drummer that I've gone, wow, you play that really well. You've got to have a connection to that, I think. And they're all very specific um, sounds, aren't they? That like the the specific um, kick sound, the snare, the keys, the the vocal effects. Well, yeah, it, all... it was a gated reverb, so yeah, they were gated. Right. So that was a Brian Eno and Peter Gabriel thing. Yeah, they did yeah. a lot of that. But yeah. yeah, no, that's right. That a lot of people were like, "Wow, this is the new way to produce," you know? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They loved it. But I think it's an incredibly sexy song, but not a love song. No, that's right. No, that's right. Absolutely. And he yeah. wrote he wrote those lyrics. Um, they just came out of his mouth. He didn't write them on paper. That's exactly what he instinctively came out with against the, the track. That's why he used the drum machines to write the vocal around them. Yep. Because um, I don't think in those days there were sort of that many songs where they did use a drum loop and then a real live drummer on top. I don't think oh, that was right. a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, because no one could afford it. They just used no, that's a, right. a drum thing. But he wrote those lyrics and, and people went, wow, those lyrics are great. And he went, yeah, I was pretty rapt that I just, they just came out of my mouth, you know. But another yeah. really good thing I wanted to mention was um, it, it was in the first episode of Miami Vice. Oh, of course. Mm. So that's what made it yeah. quite huge as well. God, yeah. That would have like exploded it onto the American scene, you know. Incredible. Ah, very so, yeah, good, that's, Sammy. That's very good. That's my second song. What's your second song? Lovely. Well, mine is British as well. Yeah. It's a little bit darker. In fact, quite a lot darker. Oh, it's opening time down on Fascination Street. So let's cut wow. the conversation. Get out for a bit. The cure. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah, The Cure. Yeah. Fascination yeah. Street. Yeah. This song, 
This song Fantastic. is sexy. Absolutely. I love things like this. Yes. I was quite I was quite gothy for a little while. Not as gothy as uh, gothy as Maddie was, but um, we've been gothing together. Yes. And <laughs> glamour and, gothing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love this song. It scrapes into the 80s. It it um, they actually released this in 89. Uh, this album came out in 89. Yeah, right. Um, and it sounds much earlier. Yeah. Like I thought, uh, when I was checking up, I thought, oh, I better check um, in case it's 70s. Um, isn't, that, isn't that amazing? I thought it might have been a 70s song. But yeah. it just sort of has that kind of vintage quality. But it actually came out in um, 89 on the uh, Disintegration album. Fantastic track. Yeah. So they had, um, for The Cure... For a band that was so, um, it's they're, they're such an '80s band. That yeah. Even though they they're similar to Duran Duran in the way I always think of them as as like the the dark Duran Duran. Like Duran Duran sort of went, became really popular and they became a pop band. Uh, the Cure sort of started at a similar time in a similar place, sort of regional England, um, formed in 78 but didn't release their first album until 1980. Um, And The Cure are sort of like what Duran Duran would have been if they didn't sort of make it really massive. Um, They, the, The Cure are very, very dark, which Duran Duran can be at times. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Simon never would have been that fat. Oh, he's pushing it. <laughs> yeah, he might be. Maddie, Maddie, we love Maddie him. Just, Maddie just said in our ear that that um that Simon would have never got that fat. <laughs> although, although yet, yeah, although you know, everyone gets old, don't they? <laughs> well, yeah, no. But, um, Simon went up and down, and he's sort of down now. Robert Smith is sort of famous for that. He basically looks like Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. He sort of has. You know, famous for those big sort of loose um, white shirts, sort of done done right up to the collar, and um, um, he has sort of black, sort of chaotic hair. And he used to have he he didn't wear a lot of makeup in the early days. That kind of progressed through yeah, the eighties. Yeah, the lipstick um, and shit. Yeah. yeah. And he, he would wear sort of bright red lipstick and eyeliner and as the 80s progressed, it would become more smudged and rubbed into his face and he kind of looked like a, some kind of fucked up melted clown. Like, it, it's su- such an incredible look. It, 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 yeah, very gothy, very dark. Um, but what I love about The Cure is that they... they write dark songs but sounding very sexy or sounding very upbeat but when you listen to the lyrics they're they're very dark and very edgy and I love that about them Mm, mm. Mm. and it's real it's honest yeah that's right see I I love the forest as well like that's incredibly sexy yeah yeah Um, I've been listening to a lot of The Cure lately yeah right I bought um, some more vinyl are you depressed Oh, look. Do you, I'm know, a, I'm, do you know all the I'm memes that go around? No, all yeah, the yeah. Memes, yeah. Do you depress? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, uh, apparently The Cure got voted. Apparently The Beatles got voted the most 
influential band of last century and The Cure got voted the most influential band of this century. In terms of um, inspiring lots of uh, emo bands, mm. uh, lots of, lots of uh, pop punk bands mm. and sort of neo-punk bands and stuff like that. Um, and you can definitely see their influence in acts like uh, The Killers, for instance. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I, um, I loved The yeah. Cure in the early years. I mean, yeah, they had sure. some up songs as well, which were quite – they did both really well. You know, yeah, they did yeah. both sort of vibes really, really well, which is unusual for bands to do that. Yeah. Especially yeah. when they're quite gothic. It can go one way or the other and not both ways. Yeah. See, yeah. I love um, Why Can't I Be You by The Cure. Oh, we, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah and, and I love the feeling that gives me. And that's yeah, also yeah. a negative sort of song, but it's a – I loved everything about that song. And, it, you know, it, it is a negative song. It sort of a, it does have a negative sort of edge to it, but um, it's got all, like, horns in it, it's like fantastic. trumpets. Like, you know, like yeah, it's, yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> and, they, and they were dressed as plushies and I loved that. Yeah, yeah. Dressed as now, plushies. Um, there's an, another close second to Fascination Street by The Cure is Hot, Hot, Hot. You've got to listen to that. If you're not already familiar with it, listen to that. That is a sexy song. Hang it's on. got a beautiful what, bass hot, line. Hot, 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 hot by The Cure? Yeah. Okay, good. Oh, I thought you meant feeling hot, hot, hot. And I'm like, you fucking oh, kidding no. me, are you? Oh, oh. God. I'd, I'd fucking bludgeon yeah, man, somebody to fire. death if they oh, put that God. on. Oh, my God. People like it. it. Can you imagine like laying down to have a bit of a sexy night and somebody putting fucking <laughs> feel ole 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 fucking what are we got ourselves into here? Fucking stick that condom <laughs> on quickly. Don't breed with uh, that. Fucking hell. So there you go. The cure. I, I, like, Great yeah. choice, whack, man. Whack it on next time you've got. Uh, you've been lucky enough to bring someone home. Yeah, I think they're what. incredibly sexy. Incredibly yeah, yeah. sexy. Um, yeah, there were a couple good. of songs that I wanted to put in that was 79 and I thought, no, nah, it's got to be 80. Yeah. So, yeah, no, The Cure. I mean, look into The Cure. There should be a little a little movie written about those guys because they were very – they've been around for a long time. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. And still going. They, they sort of recently played with the Melbourne Melbourne. Symphony, uh, Symphony Orchestra. They had all their songs. That that would have been an incredible gig. Amazing. I'm sorry I missed that. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. what? They came out to Australia. Yeah, just in oh. the last couple of years. Oh yeah. shit. Yeah. All right, baby. Have you got another one for me? Yeah, I do. And this is a little bit different, but it's fucking sexy as. It's not a. It's not a a a, a song that's you know. Sexy lovey, it's about another breakup or another nightmare. Voices yep. carry till Tuesday. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Very good. Yeah. I love this song. I know. How oh, good cool pick. is it? Yeah. Yep, yep. So March 1985. We now, saw I always love the video clip. Great video. Yeah. Do you do you identify with the girl in the video clip? No, but she looks like no? a blonde Brian Cannon. A female version <laughs> of Brian Cannon, and she gives the he, same. She gives the same look with the eyes and just stares down the camera. Oh yeah. I watched her today. Anyway, so what was I, her name? Amy Mann. 
incredibly, still writing songs now, incredible. So she is in the video clip and it's the scenario is she's a musician and the yep. boyfriend is a jock that just has a day job and yep. he says things like, I'm so happy the band's doing well. By the way, what's with the new hair? You know what I mean? Like he picks on her all the time. He abuses her really. Yeah, well, it's sort of that um, passive-aggressive psychological Passive-aggressive abuse. and he – yeah, absolutely. So she's at band rehearsal and singing the song. Making you feel weird for how she looks, what yeah, she does. get a real job, like, that kind off. of stuff. You know what? I, I, I did personify with this chick a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. All these sort of, of. I really felt for her. Like, um, you know, it's, it's – um, she's a gorgeous, gorgeous girl but she doesn't – fit into the sort of mainstream life. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. all of us. that's all of us musos, isn't it? Absolutely. But the video um, was incredible. So in the end, you see uh, they go on a date. Because he kind of, it, it got banned in some areas because he pushes her up against the wall and sort of mini rapes her. Yeah, right. And, and forces her. And then there's another shot where she's in a dark wig and the back of her hair and you think he's having an affair with someone but she turns around and it's her so he used to make her dress up as different people so there's a lot of abuse in that where she was treated like you know the people had, people didn't like it they they weren't comfortable with it well um, like she had to she had to be somebody else to make him happy sort of that's it so yeah. now this song was all was written about a woman to start off with she wrote it about a lesbian relationship. Is that right? Yeah. How and, exciting. And the record company went, no, nah, you can't do that. We need to do the hetero thing. No, um, no, Lizzo's. No, nah, can't do that. Go hetero. So that's when the guy got the gig as the boyfriend, who looks like mm. a bloody Czechoslovakian mafia dude, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if there's such a thing. Um, but the vocal delivery... In the dark, I like to read his mind. And then the keyboard riff, fucking incredible, you know. Yeah, and yeah. Voices Carry is all about speaking up for yourself and stuff. So I found this quite empowering and quite sexy. Yeah. Um, maybe I got the memo wrong, I don't know. But that's what I find sexy in songs is music and, and, and everything together. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Atmosphere. Atmosphere. And at the end, she's at Carnegie Hall with this douchebag and she stands up and starts singing in front of the crowd and they all turn around and stare at her and she rips her hair, her hat off and her hair just goes everywhere. It's a really, really lovely song. The whole album's fantastic. I've got that album on vinyl and there's some yeah. great songs on it. But she's a huge songwriter now. Yeah, yeah. Ah, very good. Wasn't a huge, huge song, but it was big enough. What's your next song? That's one? a good one, Bubba. Mm. I love that song. I reckon we should go to an ad break. Okay. Did you like my ad that I sent over? Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Now, this one has a really good jingle, guys. I love this. It brings back so many memories. I used to. Um, it's kind of like when advertising was a little bit cool and not daggy. Yeah. It's a. It's a cool song. It's a cool song. But um, see what you reckon, guys. We'll see you in a second. Now pay attention, Smythe. Write down these notes. (laughs) 
nice one. What did you think of our ad, guys? It's a pretty I, good one. I, I'm sure it's brought back a few memories. can definitely remember that one. Life is music. Music, music is, is life. life. Yeah, awesome. Lifesavers. Lifesavers. Big budget ad. And I love... I love the look that the uh, teacher gives to the student at the end. Like, hey, fucking good one, mate. What hey. what year was this? Bringing a bit of fucking, oh, would have been 1987. Do you reckon hot for the teacher it was ripped off that? It could have been. <laughs> sort of reminds me of that. And the only reason I, I, I remember that is because Maddie put it in the last episode. When we were talking about banging teachers. Uh, (laughs) But you haven't heard it yet because we're going from one to another. Ah, yes. All right, so let's bring it back. We're doing, of course, the ten hottest songs, ten sexiest songs of the 80s, according to Sammy and Jay, who are the the experts on sexy songs of the 80s. Experts on sticking it in. That's right. Next song I've got for you, Sammy. Yeah. Fortunately, you have got some great choice. Relies on yep, you. Yep, Terence Trent Darby. We started out as friends. Terence Trent Darby. Great fucking song. Sign your name. Terence Trent Darby. Sign your name. Now this is a sexy song. Can you remember movie. the name of the album? Yeah, it was um, something. The world according to. Yeah, it had wishing it? well on it as well. Yeah, it did. Do, do, but this was the better song. Yeah, that's right. Um, now, this was released in 1987. Yep. Oh, you love you. We were having it. Yeah, yeah. A lot of mine are in the late 80s, but I, I, for, for me and my particular age at that time, yeah. I guess the I guess I was sort of right at the beginning, you know, right a, right before I started going through puberty. Yeah. So it's when a lot of these themes started really resonating with me. Yeah. Um, so I was soaking up a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, so Terence Trent Darby burst onto the scene in 1987. I believe the album was called something like the the world according to Terence and Trent Darby yeah, or some shit yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I didn't I, I didn't I thought it was a little bit of an uninspired album name. Yeah. Terence Trent Darby was sort of uh, quite Oh, introducing the um, it was called in, introducing the hardline according to Terence Trent Darby. That's right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, which is a bit long for me and a oh, bit uh, a little bit wanky. A bit a little bit wanky for me for a debut album name. It's yeah. There, there was there were very high expectations on Terence Trent Darby when he when he burst onto the scene. Um, I think they expected the kind of um, I think they basically expected Prince's fan base to come on board, and they possibly did. Terence, Terence Trent Darby had a uh, background in kind of blues and roots and soul. He was from he was from New York and I always thought he was a British artist. But he um he's um actually from New York. So He might have um, lived in Mel- uh, England though. I think he did live in England. He did have a lot of success over there, as did Prince actually. Yeah. He um they really kind of uh, you know were picking up what he was laying down. But yeah, the Terence Trent Darby was sort of really uh, he, he wasn't actively emulating Prince, but it was that kind of a vibe. He, he has this little sort of um, 
mixed race black guy who was quite petite, very sexy, you know, perfectly formed. He looked sort of quite girly. See, I didn't um, get Prince vibe from him at all. Didn't you really? Nah. Prince fans ah. won't go anywhere else anyway. They're really, really funny. No, that's true. But yeah, I got true. more of a James Brown vibe with Terence Trent Darby. In the voice, definitely, yeah. And the way yeah. he threw but his head back and he did the whole bloody wiggle the feet move and everything across the stage. Yeah, so does Prince. I mean, they're, they're both uh, both Prince and sort of Terence Trent Darby are both, um, you know, clearly inspired by James Brown, but so was Michael Jackson as well. So it's sort of, you yeah, know. Going, yeah, yeah, um, I get that. But I don't think Prince started doing the, the, the movements that James Brown would in the second video. You know what I mean? He was too yeah, busy right, fingering okay. his backside to worry yeah. about <laughs> yeah. doing the dance routines. I think it was more Prince. I don't know. I know what you mean, but Terence just didn't seem as authentic. There was something not authentic about him. Well, I'll tell you something. This is what I learnt just the other day. Yeah. His real name is Sananda Maitreya. Wow. And he goes by his original name now. So um, if you were to YouTube any of his hits like Wishing Well, Sign Your Name, She Kissed Me, um, it would be under Sananda Maitreya. Wow. Maitreya. Yeah. And why the and fuck did he call himself Terence Trent Darby? It's sort of, yeah, I really don't know. It's sort of, if you had the choice, why that specifically? It's sort of, yeah, it's 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 strange, isn't it? Anyway, they, they did ask him why he changed his name and he, he said it was either... It was either change my name or kill myself. What? Yeah, That's, that was his response. You're killing. That was his response. So, is, is, so are you saying that he wasn't proud of where he'd come from, like musically? No, he he. he the, I think he was suggesting that that whole kind of thing was inauthentic to who he was. Oh, there you go. So it was, well, I felt it, that. He, yeah, I felt yeah. it. So it was. Yeah, absolutely. So it was like sort of he had to. He had to either kill off um, this persona, uh, uh, Terence Trent Darby, or it would have been a matter of killing himself altogether. So, um, well, yeah, well, that's uh, that's interesting because that's exactly what I mean with him. I feel like there was yeah. some manufacturing happening. Yeah, that's right. He was never able to quite follow up the success of this album either. No, um, which would have which would have been quite frustrating. Mm. He did um, he did actually front in excess for a little while. Yeah, that's Can right. Can you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he. I mean, he did have a he did have a good vocal for that. I thought. Um, but uh, physically, I, I really don't. I, I really never saw that fitting. I, I, did he have the range? Do you think of Michael Hutchins? I don't think he had the range. Perhaps the vocal range, but not the emotional range. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know. Well, mm. I, I just thought he had one sound in his voice, and that was it. But I yeah. liked him. Yeah, but right. Fucking not for an excess. Yeah, no, that no, that's right. Yeah, so um, he did, he did. Um, look, I liked his voice. I I, I loved this song. It's a very sexy it's song. Fantastic. Yeah, but it's sort of 
And it, it's sort of one of those cases of like uh, lightning doesn't strike twice, you know, unfortunately. It, um, he wasn't able to quite follow it up. No, and it was the first biracial video as well. And that was really interesting because we hadn't really seen that kind of thing before. As kids? Yeah, right, okay. The whole, you know, the, the biracial uh, relationship of the two people, it was kind of interesting. And Look, you, you've got to go back and watch this clip again. You can't tell me that he's not trying to um, channel Prince. There's sort of, a, there's like quite... There's the bedroom scene. It's got his bike in the foreground. You know, it's got his big sort of massive bike in the foreground. It's very kind of Purple Rain, the film. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're sort of having sex in bed. Even sort of physically they're quite similar. And I don't know if it was the record company's idea to sort of um, – Sort of push him through that slot, and the Bambi but, um, eyes and shit. He's given it the Bambi eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, kind of sooky looking up through his eyelashes, and you know, yeah. So there you go. But look, sexy song, fucking no great doubt. song. I I was the same with Terence. Didn't like him, but I loved this song. Yeah, you yeah. know, wishing well, I could have yeah. fucking loved and left, but this song yeah, was a ripper. Yeah. yeah. Now, what do you got for me? All right, so I'm going to get out of foreplay mode and go into stick it in mode. Ah, awesome. I've got um, Vanity 6, hey. Nasty Girls. Awesome. Right? For me, very, very hot. Prince's protégés were my fucking favourite of all time. Right? Yep. Especially Vanity. Vanity looked like she'd been sitting on a cock for 24 days straight in her video <laughs> clips. And she sold it so well. <laughs> and Nasty Girls, we were just talking about Prince. Nasty Girls was written by Prince. Yep. And it's just this club song that you heard in the clubs that was dirty. It was nasty, you know. You know. It sounded like. It sounded like um, it was, you know, written and performed by a stripper. That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. right. And when you yeah. look at her, she was beautiful woman, beautiful woman. Yeah. Um, yeah. But really gave the sex out, you know, really gave the sexual look. Um, she was, I've just got to get my paperwork. He loved those sort of multiracial girls, didn't he, Prince? He loved the, the sort of... Um, he loved when they were a little bit Latina, a little bit black. Yeah, yeah, loved it. He just he just yeah. put these girls together. So Nasty Vanity Six was three chicks and they come out in suspenders and, and um, bras and stuff. And that's yep. where I loved that shit because it was like you could wear that stuff in a music video. I was really excited about it. Yes. Um, and there was a club in St Kilda uh, called... Shit, now I can't remember the name of it. But we used to all go in our lingerie to this club. And it was in St Kilda <laughs> with trench coats. Yeah. Phenomenal what we used to wear when we were kids. So it went number one in the Hot Dance Club play chart in America. And it was knocked off by 1999, Prince himself, oh, shit. that year. Oh, my God. Wow. Now, if you don't know who Vanity is, Vanity was one of Prince's ex-girlfriends. He sort of banged most of the chicks he worked with, except for Sheila, Shana Easton. 
um, he she wasn't going there. But a lot of chicks that he worked with, he was having a, a relationship with. Um, she's in. He would sort of become enamoured with these beautiful girls, and he'd sort of. Um, kind of coach them and build these these acts around them, write all their songs, teach them how to dance, and then sort of send them off to have a career. It's it's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, he'd sort yeah. of how he how he'd coach these beautiful girls is incredible. Well, if you she actually did an acting role in a movie called Action Jackson. And she plays a nightclub singer, and Action Jackson is sitting there watching Jeez. her, and it's the what a stretch. it's the funniest scene you've ever seen because she's like, "Can <laughs> you get me right, baby? Undress me!" Like she's very sexual, and it's just hilarious. Yeah. Um, now, Vanity is. I just sometimes I don't realise how much of a fan I am. We did a Prince cover band called Computer Blue years ago and we did a demo which we might play on this show. It was a demo from our band of Vanity and I can't tell you vocally how much I understood what she did. She wasn't the best vocalist in the world but she just sounded so fucking great. Oh, fantastic. So we might put that on because I, when I actually recorded it, I went, fuck, I, now I know how hardcore I was about this chick because I, yeah, I can sound yeah. a little bit like her, um, which surprised me, you know. Yeah, Not everyone yeah. wants to sound like Vanity, but I just was surprised, that's all, when you hear something. Yeah. Ah, interesting. She did a move, like the Vanity uh, Nasty Girls was also in Purple Rain. Yep. And also in a movie called Girl 6. Have you seen Girl 6? Yes, I have. Fuck, an incredible movie. Yep. Love it. So that was in that as well. But I think that was a really empowering song as well because it was like, you know, women being nasty. And, you know, I would need 12 inches or more. Like we went to the penis size in this song. (laughs) We went as far as I need 12 inches or more, you know. Pretty full on. Pretty full Incredible. On. Yeah, w- yeah. Wouldn't hear a song like this ever again. Oh, God, no. So that's Vanity Six with Nasty Girls. What have you got, honey? All right. I don't think I have picked a female artist yet. Wow. So I might have to pop one in now. All right. I felt, I felt very conscious of that when because I, I do, um, to be honest, I do – Prefer um, uh, the female vocal. Yeah. When I do, I, I do really enjoy listening to a woman's voice over a man's voice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just so happens, I have chosen mostly mostly dudes. But but there you go. So I was quite um, I was quite mindful of that when I was um, putting my list together. Mm-hmm. But I settled on this one, and I'm like, this is a winner. Last night I dreamt of San Pedro. Really? Absolutely. Is La Bonita? Yes. It's the Spanish guitar. Really? It's it's her vocal performance in this. It's the chord progression. Um, This came out in 1987 uh, from the album True Blue. I think this is her best album. Yeah. Is it definitely on True Blue? Absolutely it is. Jesus. 100%. I must 100%. be getting my fucking albums mixed up. True Blue is the one where she's got 
the, the album cover is like where she's got her head back and yeah, it's Yeah, you're profile. right. Absolutely. And she looks like a kind of Roman statue. It was statue. probably about she's, the fourth single or something, was it? Or Something like that. Yeah, something like that. But it was um, – she – she speaks in Spanish in in a, a in a couple of points during the song. Yeah. She actually um, these days when she pre- performs it live, and she's done this for about four or five of her last tours. She has performed the song completely in Spanish. Yep. Um, and she will ha- she will you know do flamenco. Yeah. She'll do sort of salsa, and um, it's sort of. Um, at that time for Madonna, um, if you have a look at the film clip, she looks amazing. She looks amazing. She's stripped. Yeah, she's she's not wearing a lot of makeup. She's just got her hair slicked back. She's just got sort of a, a slip of a dress on. Oh, yeah, and so she's got the not, Spanish gear on as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later in the song, yeah. she she puts a flamenco, she puts on this... Um, sort of red polka dot um, flamenco dress on. And she looks phenomenal. She looks so beautiful. Yeah. Um, but I, I love this song. Her vocal in it is really, really good. If um, if you're one of those people that thinks that Madonna can't sing, listen to this song. Yeah. She just sort of, she evokes so much uh, emotion. It's just really beautiful. It's a it's a song about longing and and remembering. Yeah, because um, she looks down from the window at the guy with the long black hair. Is that right? He's he's playing flamenco yeah, guitar yeah, on the street, yeah, yeah. and she's um she's um can hear it through the window. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a beautiful song. We we put this on at parties and pump it, and people lose it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good song. I love it. I love it. I, I remember this very very clearly when I was growing up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I remember this video very clearly as well and I remember the new look she had and there was a lot of songs in the 80s though where the Spanish theme came into it. She wasn't the only one. Everyone went no, through not. a little bit of a phase where they went, we better do a Spanish song and put it on the record, you know, because yeah, that's right. Gloria that's right. Stefan was so fucking huge and yeah, they yeah. all wanted to get a bit of that pie, you know. Um, and I rem- Well, it was a real – It was uh, what I think it was is um, a, a real Miami vibe taking over and uh, Miami because of the proximity to Central America and um, – you know Cuba and so forth, yeah. and 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 the Caribbean. That kind of that kind of Spanish Latino vibe was really cool. You know, um, it certainly is now as well. Like with the popularity of um, reggaeton uh, and and that kind of thing. You look how sort of Maluma has exploded, um, and he just did a duet with Madonna actually just not long ago. So um, yeah, it um, look. Madonna had a lot of songs around this time. She had a, a like bulk of her really really good stuff was around this time, and a lot of those other singles overshadow La Isla Bonita. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but I really love it. It's really special to me. I love it. It's a really sexy song. Yeah yeah yeah. And it was um, produced and and written by Patrick Leonard. That's right. So that's interesting because I was hoping that she might have written that one, but. No. 
Oh, did he re- write, write it entirely? Yeah. I thought she might have. Yeah, okay. Mm. Yeah, no, he wrote it. And and it's interesting because I didn't think it was very Madonna when I heard it. I was like, mm, yeah. what's going on here? Because so, I'd, I'd also lived the early stuff. Um, yeah. Um, and, and most of her stuff can be incredibly sexy. Um, see, Borderline to me is incredibly sexy. Justify My she, Love. You know, yeah, yeah. She looked beautiful in this clip. Yeah, she looks so fresh faced. She's 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 not like she doesn't look like a little tart in it, like she does sort of um, earlier on. Um, and she's not sort of overdoing it with all the sex stuff, which came later. Yeah, it's sort of um, you, you can see right into her, like in this song and in this clip. Yeah, and um, she's not. Ah, there's this thing that Madonna does and I'm not sure why she does it. She does this sort of um, – she'll blink like a hundred times. It's because she's very smart and they say that blinking is um, connected to your thought processes. So it means she's having a lot of thoughts at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and she does it a lot later on. It was an 80s this- thing. The whole blinking thing. For her was her 80s sort of thing, you know, like. Oh, mate, it, well, it ruined her film career. You can't be doing that and, 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 and. Yes, she used to put that in her films. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good move. No. Because your eyes are saying something totally fucking different. No. The moment you blink, this is a little acting trick. And, and actually it was uh, Marlon Brando that used to say the key to acting is not blinking. He used to say if you. You j- just do not blink because the moment you blink, they will edit. They will cut. Yeah. If you if you can if you can sort of hold your gaze and not blink, they'll keep the camera on you. That's right. But um, yeah, it's sort of if you're doing that kind of crazy blinking thing, it doesn't let people in in to your eyes. No. And, and uh, um, yeah, she. It, it does sort of give off a kind of, you know, a vibe like you're very guarded, which it, which I think may be where it comes from with Madonna. You know, well, she, she used to do guarded. the same thing with her mouth and do the whole – it wasn't like the duck's face, but it was like she'd kind of do that whole lift her top lift, lip, lip up a bit, you know, and, and, put, her yeah, fin- yeah, yeah. and put her fingers in her mouth and do that whole – she had a couple, <laughs> of little, a couple of little bells and whistles that she used to do. Yeah, yeah, but a stick. Which were kind of yeah. cool, but as you say, you go and do a movie and you can't do that shit, you know? No, that's so right. So exactly. hopefully Madonna's yeah. listening and she'll realise why her movie career was pretty shit. We've just answered Oh, yeah, it. she'll <laughs> she'll learn from us, I'm sure. Yeah, I know, right? She'll be like, those uh, bitches. Yeah. All right, what do you got for me, baby? Um, I have to go with Sex Dwarf Soft Cell. Holy shit. Yeah. Very and good. And that was, I I love Sex Dwarf, but Maddie and I love yep. it together, and I think it Jesus. shits all over Tainted Love. Right? And yeah, it's absolutely. A really great dark energy that if you're in a nightclub and this is pumping, you just want to root, man. You just want to go woo. <laughs> Um, you just go straight into the disabled toilet. That's exactly what it was about, man. It was about being quite. Um, Full on sexually, but it was about dwarfs. So if you look at the video, he's got dwarfs in the videos, um, and they were hot in the eighties. If you went out into dwarfs, night- dwarfs, yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they used him in You Can Dance If You Want To, You Can Leave Your Friends Behind. I can name six, <laughs> six video clips where they've used dwarfs. Easy. <laughs> Um, they were just sort of like extras from Wizard of Oz that were out of work. Well, so they thought, there oh. was a thing in the Ooh. 80s where at nightclubs, and I remember at Chase's nightclub there was this one dwarf or short person that used to come to the and get in for free. He just had that look. They'd let him in and he's, he's an actor now, but I can't remember his name. Um, it was just a thing, but it reminds me of a friend of mine that wanted a dwarf party for his 40th where... Because um, there used to be a sport called dwarf throwing. Have you heard about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he wanted that for his 40th, which is just fucking my crazy friends. And <laughs> and this song used to remind me of that. But I love the beat. Really dark. Ah, cool. And uh, I love dancing to it. This is a good pick. Yeah, I yeah, love right. dancing to it. And it's not a love song at all. I didn't think you liked Soft Cell. I don't like Soft Cell, but I love Sex Dwarf. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Fucking love it. You there know, you go. Um, used to hear it. Every, I used to go to, um, can't remember the club in Melbourne. One of my boyfriends with the DJ, the, my ex-boyfriends was a DJ and he played all the time. And I used to go, yeah. what the fuck is that song? It's great, you know. Um, Where was the club? In the city. And it was sub-zero or subculture. Subculture. Oh wow! Yeah, then it sort of anyone, anyone out there remember subculture? Subculture was sort of nineties, I think. Yeah. But my ex used to play Sex Dwarf. He'd play um, bloody what's the thing from the Lost Boys that we love? Yeah. What's the name of it? That was on my shortlist. Right. Sammy. Wow. Cry little sister Cry by Gerard McMahon. Incredibly sexy track. Yeah. So the songs, he used to play that and then he'd play something that was totally obscure and you'd go, this is the best. But um, Subculture was definitely, they had very alternative DJs and this would be something you heard in the 90s. Now, he was a one-hit wonder, that guy that did Cry Little Sister. That's Gerard McMahon. Yeah. We could do him as a one-hit wonder. Oh, yeah, we could. Although, you know, I fucking love that song. I don't feel like picking on him. Yeah. I fucking love that. Oh, it's a piece of art, song. isn't it? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah. So the, you've got the kids choir doing the um, um, doing the Seven Deadly Sins. You know, thou shall not fucking steal or whatever it is. Yeah. And and then you've you've got that um, awesome <laughs> drum beat coming in like dun dun. Dun dun oh, dun dun. fantastic. That was a great song from Lost Boys. And apparently... Apparently, it wasn't purpose-written. A lot of people think it was written for um, Lost Boys. Yeah. But he actually wrote it and then Joel Schumacher, um, the famous director, came up to him and said, Oh, my God, I can't believe you've written this song. It's absolutely perfect for my film. Yeah. Um, and and Gerard McMahon was like, oh yeah, what's it about? And like he didn't know it was about vampires, and it just it just fits perfect perfectly. It's 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 fantastic. Yeah, incredible. Mm. And I think it's a stronger song than the movie. I don't. Well, it uh, they go hand. Uh, I can't remember um, the movie. Mate, that is my favourite eighties film. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That that. That has got all the elements of the 80s in it. 
Yeah. That that film. Yeah. It's got the two Corys. It's got vampires. Yeah. It's got a fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. It's got Kiefer Sutherland. Yes. What more could you ask for? And who was the chick with the black hair? Was she in that, the black curly hair? Fuck. What's Jamie Gertz or something. She was in in Twister with Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton as well. Yeah. Yeah. Really the only – she only had two big sort of blockbuster films and that was those two. Wasn't she also in that Below Zero or some shit with – maybe I'm thinking of the wrong girl. 80s actress um, with – who's that guy that – was a movie about drugs. Mm, could have been. And, it, and the She's Bangles – stunning The Bangles song was in it. Time, oh, yeah. Time, Hazy Shade time, of Winter. Yeah, what was the movie that that came off or that people mm. – with I can't fucking Maddie, remember. Maddie must have fallen asleep in the band room. That's okay. So no, I can hear him. I think he's typing. Yeah, He'll be looking. Yeah, so um, it's just strange because he was quite vocal before. He was awesome. See, yeah, but Someone. so is it my go or your go, or should we do a one dick wonder now before we finish? Oh, look, I'll have a go. All right. Oh, look, let's do a one dick wonder and then I'll, I'll have one more go. All right, great. Because it's a bit of a curveball. All right. I've got one. I've got one that you would absolutely hate me for, but I'm not going to say it. What? Okay. Well, this I'm not having my go. I'm just saying what it could have been. All right. Oh, so it's not going to be. So it's not going to be this, but I'll tell you what it is. All right. Yeah. You know I don't want to fall in love. Really. Yeah. That reminds me of the time you picked me up for a gig and you had Richard Marks on the fucking radio. No, baby, and it I was And I went, this. are you menopausal? What's going on? No, babe, it was. Fucking, <laughs> you were down at the river with Richard Marks. It was, yeah. No, Fuck. it was this song. It was this. It was It was Wicked Game. Wicked Game by Chris Isaac. No, was no, it was it. Richard Marks. Baby, it was this. Really? I remember. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm getting my uh, songs and, wrong. And I'm I'm sort of driving along, like down bloody Alexandra Parade, yeah. And um, coming coming to pick you up, and <laughs> I pull I pulled up, and I can see you sort of walking down to the car, and you open it, and you go, ah, what are you fucking listening to? You got fucking male menopause. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, what it the is, fuck are you listening to? It is a bit of a sooky song, um, Wicked Game, but it. It's sexy. You can't deny it's sexy. Or maybe you can. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. You, I get it. You but hate it. No, don't but you? I like it. I would. Well, I look, would. It, I would chainsaw his fucking neck off if he sang <laughs> this to me. Right? It'd have to turn into a horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. That's where that goes. To be satisfying. But I yeah, get. I yeah. get why you think it is. I just find him really fucking annoying. It is, it is, it is a very sooky song. Sooky as, but it's, but it's a, it's a, it's a dude song. Like I don't think girls get it. Oh. I don't think girls get it. It's a, it's a, it's a, a dude when he's had his heart broken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A cowboy in the it, fucking yeah. desert. <laughs> <laughs> you bitch. Fuck. All right, I've got um. 
Um, I've got a one dick wonder. Yeah. All right. And what do we say to our one dick wonder? Fucking nice, nice, nice one, one dick. dick. <laughs> awesome. Oh, we'll get it. We'll get it one day. Our one dick wonder tonight is Mr. Frank Stallone. Ripper. Frank Stallone obviously has the, um, the, you know, he's part of the Stallone family, Sylvester Stallone. Um, Sylvester Stallone directed the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. It was called Staying Alive. That's right. Starring John Travolta. Now, it's that 80s film where John Travolta got really, really super fit for it and... Um, I remember famously Sylvester Stallone made John Travolta wax his entire body, even his pubic hair. Right. And and um, apparently that experience for John Travolta was like harrowing. Yeah. He's never been able to forget it. Because he's, you know, John Travolta is a wog at the end of the day. He's quite, he actually is quite hairy. And um, he, he had to wax his entire body. Um, because of uh, Sylvester Stallone asked him to. Mm. Well, I think he um, looks hot in this. He did look hot in it. It's not a great film. Oh, see, it? I love it. It's oh, one of do my. You? Oh, yeah, it's got my girl in it. It's got Cynthia Rhodes in it. <laughs> right? She's in every fucking movie. Anything that she's in, I'm there. Right, right? okay. So. I love this because it's about dancing. Now, if you went to a dance school in the 80s, you heard this song by Frank Stallone. And what is it called, JB? Because I have no idea what it's called. The song is called Far From Over. Far From Over. It's so generic. It's just like, you know, far from over, yeah. You know, like that kind of, oh, yeah, do, do, do. That, that kind of fucking triumphant kind soundtrack of 80s. Shit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just just soundtrack fodder. I don't love the song at all, but it's the final scene, I think, where he's got his love interest or his girlfriend or girlfriend that was, which is Cynthia Rhodes, and then there's the other girl that's a real high, bitchy um, chick that he's never going to get. She just cock-teases him. And at the end... Yeah. They want her to jump up so he can catch her and this is the end of the song and there's this sexual energy they have but the girlfriend doesn't like her and the girlfriend screams out, jump, jump, and then she jumps and the show's amazing. So at a dance school, like the dance factory, I went to the dance factory at Bartuccio's or whatever, this was the song where you did a group dance to at every fucking concert. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. Um, I think it's – I don't like the song, but I think the movie's incredible. But you've got to remember this is John Travolta in the 80s as well. So he's come from the disco diva from the 70s and come into the 80s, which was all what this movie embodied. Yeah, yeah, Shit right, music. Right. The Bee Gees music style changed as well. They changed their style in songwriting and they wrote some rippers for this song, for this movie. Yeah, yeah. And we saw Cynthia Rhodes singing and Frank also had another track on this album called I'm Never Gonna Give You Up. Yeah, well, you can't tell me that <laughs> that if somebody else was directing this film apart from his brother that he would have got a shot putting two fucking songs on the soundtrack. I think he had you about four, babe. I think he had about four oh, or five. Yeah. That is shocking. Yeah. But you that know what? Shocking. I looked up this movie. It was 1983. Yep. I love it. I had the T-shirt and everything. Now, right. the budget was $22 million. It made $126 million at the box office. It didn't do fucking bad. Shit. But it's a shit film. Oh, see, I keep saying that and you fucking love it. But like, I, I love it because it's it's that boy meets girl, slut comes in, slut wants to root your boyfriend. <laughs> um, they do a dance. They go to a rehearsal. There's this sexual tension between the rich girl and the poor girl and then – you know, one of them's just a singer in a cafe, which is what I was when I was yeah. wanting to be. You know, like in that yeah. and and um, and it's it's just I loved it, but yeah. I think yeah. I might watch it after this show. <laughs> I'll check it out again. <laughs> Why not? But it is a I'll chick. I think it's a chick film. flick, flick, babe. It's 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 yeah, a bit of a chicky flick. There's not much of a plot. It's a dance film, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it definitely it's charted. Only... This was a big song for him. What was his name, the character? What was Travolta's character's name? Tony in... Monero. Yeah, that's right. So basically the premise of the film is um, Tony Monero, after Saturday Night Fever, goes on to follow up on his dancing because he's obviously an incredible dancer and he – Bites the bullet and starts going to a dance school in New York. So there you go. And it's about the crazy things that happen there. Well, he gets there a part in a, in a major musical. So he's yeah, a waiter. Right. He's a waiter at night. It's that old story of I'm a waiter yeah. at night. But his brother in yeah, staying alive. He sucks someone's cock. That's right. In staying alive. Is um, it told him he should be a professional <laughs> dancer. So this is where we see Tony become a professional dancer. Right. But right. the girl that played Laura is Finola Hughes, who I loved. Finola? Finola, yeah. Gee, that's a nice name. I know. <laughs> Finola Hughes and uh, she's very posh and very bitchy and – there's those dancers around, man, where they think their shit doesn't stink in the 80s especially. <laughs> you got on the wrong yeah. side of them, they'll root everything you own. That's because they were hungry. That's right. Hungry for it? cock. Ah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate. I think that's our one dick wonder, yeah. Frank Stallone. Have, oh, there you are. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I've been, I've been looking at the fucking ceiling for about an hour. Yeah. Um, so Frank Stallone, have you ever seen Frank Stallone, what he looks like? Yeah. It's h- hilarious. He looks like a kind of 
Madame Tussauds, Madame Tussauds version of his brother. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, Not oh, exactly. Oh, hang on. It's oh, hang on. Is that Sylvester? Hang on. Oh, who's that? Yeah. It's just like a kind of generic, ugly Italian. Yeah. You know how much money they would have made writing that fucking song in this album? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. What do we say to our one dick wonder? Fucking nice, nice one, dick. dick. Yeah. Love it. Good on ya. All right. So we're going to wrap up the show now. I believe I have one more. Yes. I've got one more yeah. as well. Have you really? Yeah, why that, have I got one more? That's 11, you lesbian. Oh, sorry, honey. <laughs> oh, well, were we going to play? Ah, you can still say it. All right. We, what we'll do, we'll do honourable mentions yeah, at the end. Yeah, okay, great. We, we won't elaborate on them too much, yeah. but we'll just rip through them. Okay. Uh, okay, so my last one is I am the sun. Yeah, great. Of a shyness that is criminally vulgar. Fucking beautiful. Yes, that's right. I'm talking about How Soon Is Now? question mark mm. by Morrissey. The Smiths. The Smiths, is it? Oh, yeah, wow. The wow. The Smiths, uh, fronted by Morrissey. Yeah. Um, and written by the guitarist from The Smiths, Johnny Marr. So Johnny Marr actually came up with the bulk of the song. Because really, it's it's um, it's <laughs> where have you gone? Oh, I'm really here. Sorry, honey. I'm just using my thing. Yeah. Okay. Or oh, you vibrate. Yeah. No, um, no. <laughs> really, thing. the um, the song is based around the guitar effects. Oh, amazing! The guitar effects came first, and it's um, a lot of people um, wrongly refer to this as a as a vibrato effect or a. a, a I don't even believe it's a tremolo effect. The way that you, if you're interested, like I didn't want to go on too much about guitar wank. I was interested in this. Yeah. Um, if you're interested, go and read up about how Johnny Marr wrote um, How Soon Is Now and produced that incredible uh, tremolo effect. They, with the guitars, it's very famous. This kind of, um, it's almost like each syllable of the vibrato of the guitar is coming is bouncing out of a different speaker and they actually did it manually yeah they, they went they they were moved they were manually moving amps away from mics and towards them and 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 sort of getting 10 seconds of perfect uh, recording at a time and then splicing that all together. You know, it's incredible the lengths that they used to go to to produce these songs in, in the 70s and 80s. And, um, you know, and this is in the day bef- days before computers could do it. Yeah. So they had to produce these um, revolutionary, never heard before sounds themselves. They had to do it sort of manually. Yeah. You know? So um, Johnny Marr came up with the... With the guts of that song and apparently um, they had been out the night before they used to smoke a lot of weed apparently they used to um, smoke a joint before they got out of bed and they would smoke joints all day and this is when they were recording Um, they had a particularly successful day recording they went out to sort of celebrate had a really really big night um 
they got up sort of mid-afternoon the following day, presented Morrissey with what they had of the song. Morrissey in that kind of, um, you know, drunken, hungover, stoned over kind of state, wrote that song, wrote the lyrics in an hour. Yeah. And it's just so beautiful. It's... You can, you can see a lot of the songs that I've chosen are a bit um, dark and lonely and individual. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're all about kind of um, longing for somebody unattainable. Yeah. <laughs> I, guess that, I guess that says a lot about me. I don't know. But um, you would know this song as well, How Soon Is Now. You would know this song as well because it was famously covered by Love Spit Love. The lead singer of Love Spit Love was the lead, also the lead singer of Psychedelic Furs. Yeah. I, I, I believe I'm right about that. The, the lead singer of Love Spit Love was the lead singer of Psychedelic Furs. So mm-hmm. there you go. Um, their version, Love Spit Love's version, was uh, in The Craft. Remember that movie with the four witches mm-hmm. with Nev Campbell? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and later... It became the theme song to Charm. That's right. The the series was Shana Doherty and Alyssa Milano and the other one that nobody remembers her name. Yeah. And didn't we see this uh, song done by Tattoo? The two lesbian... Oh, they did mm. too. Good pick up. Yeah. So Tattoo was a Russian duo um, and they were originally sort of launched onto the world through Eurovision. Yes. And they had a song called All The Things You Said or something like that. And and um, they also released a cover of How, How Soon Is Now, which was really great, which was really... Yeah, it wasn't, um, it wasn't much different, but it was just two chicks. Yeah, that's right. It's interesting with the female vocal, but look, I absolutely love the original. Oh, it's without a, it's a, a doubt. It's a long song. I think it runs for about sort of seven, eight, nine minutes or something like that. Yeah. Um, I love every single bit of it. I love every bit of it. It's, um, you know, you, you can you can whack it on and sort of have two or three roots in that time. It's great. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I, I love that. Right. I love that bit too. Yeah, Was that guitar very- or keys? No, it was guitar. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was guitar. That's my favourite yeah. bit. Yeah. I can't say there are too many key effects. I mean, if this song had been recorded today, it would have been mostly keys yeah. because of all the all the synth that they um, would have used today. Yeah. But because it was recorded when it was, um, they did all those songs, you know, they made all those sounds uh, with guitar. And Incredible. Incredible. Different things, different things. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Absolutely. I love I love the Smiths. I, I can't stand Morrissey, but I um, I love the Smiths. Yep, yep. It's interesting how yeah. you can change your ways with when the artist goes solo or when they're in the band, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm not in – I don't necessarily love Wham, but I love George Michael, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I think I – think I can't stand Morrissey because he's sort of his his politics are louder than him than his uh, art. You know, yeah. If I know if I know too much about the artist, 
I'm not interested yeah, at all. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I'm the same with sort of people like Tom Cruise and Russell Crowe and um, Sting as well. Sting is another artist. I'm just like, oh, shut the fuck up yeah. and write another yeah. fucking Walking on the Moon. <laughs> like, would right. you shut up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I could, th- I of- could listen to Bowie forever. What he's, oh, Bowie what could do whatever he wanted. He, yeah, he could absolutely. He could walk all over us. But you know the amazing thing about Bowie is that we all felt that we knew him, but then when we died, then when he died, we all realized that we barely knew anything about That's him. That's right. Yeah. What we knew of Bowie was his music. Yep. You know? Cuz he didn't preach. Yeah. He talked about yeah, people's right. behavior and not his own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was uh, he was very Accepting, he wasn't kind of left-minded or right-minded, or you know what I mean. He wasn't sort of interested particularly in politics. He just, he just, he just liked good people, nice people. Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, babe. baby. Shall we wrap it up and just do a few little honourable mentions? Absolutely. And then we'll um, wrap up the show, I believe. Absolutely. What do you got? So we've had two Patreon members jump on board this week. Uh, and I've got a special song for both of these beautiful women, right? All right. Because with our patrons, we've got to do something special for them. That's so right. So the first one is Jodie Smith. And Jody! I've got a song for Jodie. So I've got a song that is about Jodie and it's, believe it or not, by Jermaine Stewart who released this song, I think it was 1987, and he sang, We don't have to take our clothes off. You know what I mean? Yep. So I am going to play this song for Jodie. She came a Patreon this week, and it's Jodie by Jermaine Stewart. Good on you, Jodie. Where are you, Jodie? Did you like that? Did you like that little shout out? Uh, good on you, Jodie. So that was Jermaine Stewart with Jodie and that goes out to our latest Patreon, Jodie. Jodie. And the next one is Sammy Neal. Samantha Neal became Sammy. a Patreon this week. And we uh, thank Sammy, you so much, we? girls. So I've got a song here for Sammy, and this is from the Village People. It's called Samantha. So we're going to play yeah. this song for Sammy. Off we go. All right, that was Samantha by the Village People. And, and because my name is the same, I am very, um, I, you know, I can remember that song coming out. It was a really big one. It was Can't Stop the Music soundtrack, 1980. We just get there with that one. And uh, that was for Sammy Neal for being such an awesome chick and being our patron. Yeah. All right, what a great show we had tonight. 
What a fantastic show, guys. Thank you very much for sticking in with us while we've been in isolation. Thank you for coming on board, our patron, uh, patron yeah. patrons. Um, thank you, everybody who has contributed to our social media. Please like, share, subscribe and comment. Give us a five-star rating. Stop stuffing around with your three stars. No, look, people have been fantastic. Give us five we've stars. What's it going to cost you? We've never gotten a three-star ever. No, no. Everybody has been very generous and we would love it to continue because we're shooting up those charts. Yeah. Uh, we're getting more and more followers every single week uh, in the US, in Australia, in the UK and right through Europe and around the world. Yeah. So it's all very exciting. All right. So Please, I'm just going to mention um, a couple of links. Um, yeah, yeah, go for it. www.patreon.com forward slash the 80s montage podcast. Then we've got Facebook, Facebook forward slash the 80s montage podcast. If you just look at that, Instagram will be connected to that and all that bizzo. Patreon is a fantastic way of coming on, uh, on board and supporting us. Uh, because, of course, every musician in the world is out of work at the moment because of the mm. pandemic. Yep. Um, so you can come on board and support us and help us cover our costs to make this fantastic show. Awesome. So thank you very much for, for joining us tonight and we will see you next Thursday as usual on the 80s montage because if it's news... Oh, fucking hell, mate. <laughs> if it's music, mateys, or cool, cool shit, shit from, from the, the 80s... 80s. We're going to talk about it. Unreal. Unreal.